Tony. Tony. I think we speed through it. We just Tony. We go fast to the Y. We go Tony. Tony. New York, everything's faster. We just drop letters and just speak like that. Tony. Nice to meet you. (laughs) So, yes, we're here again. I wish I had new news to bring you, but I know it's always the same old, same old. There's some more people. Look at they came from the great north. <laughs> Here's a chair. Here's a chair. There's another one there. Yeah, we'll take and she said, there's one up there and there's one in my house. <laughs> 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 yes, like ass. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, do you need any pillows back there? Are you all right? No. Okay, all, right. <sighs> all right, so have you listened to Zen Bitchlap any at all? No? Yes, a little bit? No, all right, I'll just, I'll use some, uh, like a gosher of terms. Yeah? So one of the words we use is selfing. So selfing is an activity, a mental activity. And it's sort of like the act of being identified as a self. So when you hear that, it sounds like the act of being identified is the verb, and the self's a noun, but it's a whole verb. From this view, there is no sense of self. There is no authentic, solid, long-lasting, independent, separate entity. That's like the hypothesis in a way. So there is no you as you feel to be. So, and in a broader way, sometimes this presentation is is uh, put under this title called non-duality, which is important too because non-duality just means not two. That's all it means. It doesn't mean one. It doesn't imply one. It just means not two. So in the seeing of the two-ness as not being so, something happens. So the mind can get recalibrated without having to be believing it's the one that recalibrated. Something just shifts. And the way we approach it is Nuts, if you want to look at it as in a broad way, is more a way of negation, not affirmation. So we're not describing how things are, the bliss of all oneness and the eternal love. We're just sort of describing how, what you're not, basically, which is this feeling that's being produced that you're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, a body, basically, yeah? So the body, in the, with the mental navigational system, the thought system, uh, navigating your life, the thought system starts and finishes at the idea that you're a body. Yeah. So like the Course in Miracles says, the brain interprets to the body. 
So the brain is what's producing this sense of self. Yeah? It produces it. How does it do it? It does it does it by claiming. So it doesn't have a life, but it claims what infers a life. So instead of just feeling like when you're a kid, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't in an abusive situation, just like a lower middle class family. And when I'd be playing, I didn't go home and critique my playing of the day. You know, like I should have been playing a lot more around two, you know? <laughs> I could have been playing better with those soldiers than I would. There was no critiquing of my day. Yeah? Because it hadn't developed yet. And I wasn't worrying when I was playing, will I be playing next week? Because time hadn't set up yet. Yeah? So I wasn't trying to get into the moment because I hadn't entertained the insane idea I could be out of a moment when you're a kid. Yeah? So that's where there's the wonder, the awe, spontaneity, and immediacy. They're, they're so available. They're like the air you breathe. You don't see it as, a, as something to try to acquire or get. It's just available. It's like it's you, so to speak. And then something started to develop that took our attention and interest away from seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching into an interpretation of life. Yeah? As life now, instead of being seen as happening, it's now being interpreted that it's happening to me. This is this is the dilemma of self-centeredness. So the mind gets a certain fixation where everything it sees, it can only understand it to how it pertains to it. Yeah. So when you see something, just like we were sharing today, and where I live, there's a mountain, and people drive over the mountain, and sometimes people, you'll hear them complain, and they're they're just bitching, why are the deers keep running into my car? Yeah. <laughs> Now, obviously, the deer isn't running into their car. Their car is hitting the deer. But from the self-centered point of view, they believe it's the deer is doing it to them. You know what I mean? But they're in the woods at night, you know, <laughs> in a mountain, and they're the intruder. But they take it like, why does these freaking deers keep running into my car? So this is self-centeredness, yeah? So basically, most of our lives are being interpreted from a fixed reference called the body, basically. And so now you're you're construed as a historical action figure. There's a belief that you were there, and maybe you have pictures. But remember, most kids don't have a memory until about three, yeah? So the memory bank hasn't really developed yet. So you you just got to go on other people's you know assumptions. Oh yeah, you were such a nice little baby, Paul. Okay, I was a baby. Thanks, mom, for that clue. Because you have no idea those few years where you were just consciously blah blah blah. Yeah, and no self sense of self had been produced yet. You didn't see other yet. And usually they believe now that their sense of self rises with the language center setting off. So the language has a lot to do with supporting and reinforcing the feeling of being a, a someone. Yeah? And memories totally about reinforcing the sense of being a someone. Because what you aren't has to be remembered to appear to be you. Yeah. What you aren't has to be remembered to appear to be you. So you have to be remembered as a body in the past to feel like one now. And you have to be remembered as a body in the future by worrying about what's going to happen to you as a body in the future now. That's how the mental state does it. The mental state remembers you as a self. 
Yeah? So if you're doing something you love or you get like into a traumatic accident, like what happened one time I was in the water and I got I got I hit the bottom and it it uh, was sufficient impact that it shut down my nervous system. So my my computer crashed, yeah, and I couldn't move my arm and legs and luckily I landed on my back and I was just there but the brain wasn't producing the sense of self because that's what produces the sense of self it's gotten traumatized so I was just let, laying in the water with like the whole picture had a giant golden frame around it like this. and somebody came by another surface sort and they brought me into the beach and then they they put, I was on this long surfboard, and then these this paramedics came and they started cutting my wetsuit off, and suddenly the sense of the selfing arose and said, I can't afford the ambulance. That's the first thing it said. You know, first thing, it hadn't been around for eight minutes or so, the first thing it said, oh, just die here, <laughs> basically. You can't afford the ambulance, just die on the beach. You know? And then you notice, like, someone has, like, a $3,000 bike, $3, bike, and they fall. What did they try to save? The bike. Fuck the body. I'll die. But not the bike. It's, this is insane. This is the sense of self. It doesn't value you at all, just as a form of transportation. It usually hates the body. Tell you the truth. It really does. You're not enough in its view. Really. So, this idea of that sense of self got developed, yes? And as it got developed, our interest and attention seemed to have gotten absorbed up in the interpretation of life. So the emphasis left seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, playing, you know, running, this and that, into I'm the runner and I ran to there. I'm the seer and I saw that. You know, I'm the hearer and I heard that. And it seems to be a slight little move, but it's extremely uh, powerful because by... By emphasizing see or seeing, it can forget the seeing, you see. It can't get rid of the seeing. If it could, it would. It would love to. The mental state would love to be supreme here. It can't get rid of what is, but it can hide it really well in time. So it can make it seem like it isn't so. Yeah? But it takes a lot of effort, and that's how it does it. So the seeing is just seeing, and it actually includes the experience of seer and seeing, but when we're obsessed with the seer and seeing, it excludes the seeing. You don't feel the aliveness anymore, yeah? It's a seeing, hear, seer, seeing, hearer, heard, this and that. So the, the, the sense of aliveness that came with being awake has now been sort of hidden because now you're awake to the mental state. You're totally awake to that, and it's causing you to be asleep to something... I would say very important, which is what is. Yeah. So then, what happens is again your interest and attention. How many things have you smelled today? Probably not much. You know, some people never like in England. They don't like hugging, right? That's what they told me at the <laughs> cafe place. People don't like being hugged. You know, or something at least in a public place or whatever. So maybe not. Some people haven't been felt at all today. You know. They're, they're hearing the same old, same old. That's been neutered. They don't, you know, you see a sunset, you, know, you compare it to an old sunset. So you, do you really see the sunset? I mean, life has been neutered, and you're living an interpretation of life, and it's just like, 
just bear with it, you know, make the most out of it, or do something. That's why people jump off of cliffs on bungee cords, or people shoot cocaine in their neck. They want to feel freaking alive, in a way, and they think it has to be so extreme just to get a jolt of being here. But the whole point, this is the whole point, all of this heist is, has not happened. It can only seem to happen to you and me. We've got to believe it for it to seem to be so. Without our belief, like we say in recovery, an acronym uh, of fear is false evidence appearing real. So, interesting statement. False evidence appearing real, which is what the mental state's presenting most of the time, right? It's presenting false evidence... Yeah, and then you, what we are, determines to believe it, and then it appears to be real to us. It, there has to be a you for it to appear to be real too. It can't appear to be real, but it can appear to be real to someone, and that's what it does. We're the audience. Yeah, the movies. The movie isn't that good. It's the audience that makes it seem so interesting. We think it's about us. That's the only reason why you're following your thoughts all freaking day. Man, I do not think about anyone 30 years ago, except me. Yeah, I don't. I don't sit here and wonder how Stanley was doing 25 years ago, or I don't go over his day and say, if he would have only said that right thing to that woman, he would have been married and loved and having a wonderful time. I never go in there, you know, because it's not me. Yeah. And the only reason why we go anywhere down those roads of yesterday and tomorrow is it's about us. If it wasn't about you, you'd lose interest in it. And what would happen if you lost interest in that dead preoccupation? That's what finding out is. When the interest and attention gets freed from an occupation, find out where it's placed. Yeah. You'll see. Maybe it will be placed right where it can be an enriching quality instead of an enslaving quality. If your interest and attention is wedded to you in the past and the future, it's an enslaving quality. If it's here now, it's enriching. Yeah? You're seeing things, you're hearing things, you're feeling things. You're actually alive and you're aware of being alive. Yeah? That's the interest and attention. The interest and attention, see, people want to vanquish the sense of self or destroy it or you know, make it extinct, really, the, the way it works is you lose interest in what facilitates it. You lose interest in the thoughts because you see them as thoughts now, not held as yours. You're, you lose interest in feelings, not meaning you're not alive, you're more alive than ever, but the feelings are feelings. It's the my feeling that makes them something, yeah? Makes them, that's what applies a glue to them. So now you get bound to your feelings. You will not be bound by feelings, but you are bound by your feelings. You're not bound by thoughts, but you can be bound by your thoughts. Simple as that. The bonding is prior to everything, and also the solution is prior to everything. The real freedom from bondage is not after bondage. It's prior to bondage. When you see the bondage is truly an activity that you have to be complying with, yeah? when you see that, you are now free from it, not as if you were released from the bondage. You see that it never came to pass. It's not so. You know? It's just not so. Once it's taken to be a fact, then you try to... Uh, see? From... Behind it, after it, it's a fact. 
Prior to it, it's not a fact. Yeah? This is the solution. This is a this is a set this is a solution that will only produce another problem. And then the need for another solution and another problem, another solution, another problem. This is a solution, there is no problem. That's that. Yeah, the solution disappears. And then you're left with what is. And you can sense it right now in the room. That's it. A pause. That's your face. Your original face is this. You're here before anything shows up here. Yeah? You're here before anything shows up here. You're the space that everything appears in. Nothing catches you by surprise. <laughs> it just doesn't. Nothing sneaks up behind you. <laughs> You're just holding space. Not as in, oh, I'm holding space. It's just that's how what space does. It holds things. It's no effort. It's not a, it's not a special vocation. That's its nature. <coughs> space allows things to appear in it. That's what it does. Yeah? Without space, nothing could appear. You're more space than you are what's appearing in it, for sure. Then you get that sense. Oh, what? What? Is it an experience? No, I'm sorry, it isn't. If it was an experience, this could, you could charge a lot of money for this. <laughs> Fucking really. And if you could prolong it, you could even charge more money. But there's no experience. There really isn't. You know, it will allow all the experience to happen that will happen, and you'll travel lighter over them, but it's not an experience. You're never going to get the joy of having it. That little mental joy of having it, you know? I got it. It's it's never, it just doesn't work. Your gauges and little crane-like things, you can't pick this up. You can't grab it, you can't make it, you can't sell it to anyone. It's like, you know, there's the river, and so you get a glass, and you get some water, and you think you got the river, but you've lost something in the acquiring of it, which is the rivering. It's not moving anymore. It's not rivering. That's what, that's the essence of it, is the moving. Once we turn ourselves to something, we've made it something already. You can't escape the axiom that the greatest influence of any experiment is, experiment is the observer of it. That observation distorts what's observed. You, can't, you cannot override that. When you turn and look at something, you give it the meaning it has. As simple as that. So when you, if you believe that you're getting this message, you've made the message something that fits into that system instead of invading it like a virus, it's been neutralized and now you know non-duality. I know non-duality. Yes, you do? Really? Oh yeah, clearly. I went to a two-day retreat. <laughs> not to. I understand not to. You don't understand not to. You don't. You understand the activity of subject-object going on all day. That's it. It's an activity. There's not not to. It's an activity of subject-objectness. Yeah. This object thinking it's the subject and objectifying everything else. That's what happens. And I'm an object to you right now, and you're playing the role of the subject. And this is separation, this is distinction, this is duality. And then the duality expresses in hot, cold, close and far, near, this, love, hate, 
all the all the opposites of one it's like one coin with two sides no matter how many times you chop it there's still two sides and the the, the, the initial coinage of that whole commerce is subject object you taking this object to be the subject and then everything else has to be objectified by that so now when you hear enlightenment it sounds like something or when you hear the void, it sounds like a place near Norwich, you know. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to go to the void tonight. There is no place called the void. It implies it's in void of all places. But the way we hold it, it's a thing. And our awakening is a thing. Well, how can I get some of that awakening? You know, I've been going to like 800 of these meetings and I haven't gotten any yet. Exactly. Because there, it was you going to every one of the meetings. <laughs> if you could go to a meeting and not show up, you'd get it. <laughs> Literally. If you went to the meeting and didn't show up for it, you'd have it would be there. Yeah. You would get it by not getting it. Yeah. And of course, if you get it by not getting it, then you can't lose it, can you? This is how it evades the dualistic trap. If you believe you did something to achieve something, you also believe you can do something to lose it. That's not peace. That's a conditional peace. Still based on you. Which everything seems to be based on, and the you is a false reference. The you is a false reference. You don't have to purify yourself to entertain peace. You've just got to give up your opinions and your ideas. And then peace is available. Like a great Zen said, you know, you don't have to uh, search for the truth, just stop cherishing your own opinions. Sounds pretty good. Or it says also, you can't use activity to produce stillness, that would be activity. So how can you do yourself into non-doing? Literally. Doesn't mean you're not going to do things, but maybe a new attitude will be there when you're doing it. It wouldn't be like a calendar you have up and you mark, I meditated today. And then, because you know when you start meditating every day and then you miss one day? How does your mental state hold you that day? It's going to be a bad day. I didn't meditate. <laughs> Did you have that when you were a two year old, three year old kid? Mom, I missed meditation. It's going to be a bad day playing. I didn't know. No. We fund up these requirements. We make these conditions. We're playing God all day. The mental state plays God. It tells you how you're going to be, how you were, how they are, how they're going to be, how they were. It's playing God. It's pontificating completely, constantly, all day. And we're lending our ear to it because we believe it has something to do with us. You wouldn't listen. Let's say you're having something in your head that's driving you crazy. And it, uh, I could be sitting right next to you, Virginia, and it wouldn't leap over to me. But the same thoughts held as mine could possibly do the same thing to me. If they were held as yours, they would have no effect. As soon as they're held as mine, they have a huge amount of effect or ability to have effect. Where did they get the power from? They didn't get it from the thought itself. They got, got it from the my of the thought. That's the bonding activity. The my, M-Y. Yeah? That's what changes everything. That's what changes the meaning of the body when it becomes my body. What changes the meaning of all thoughts when they become my thoughts? When all feelings, that the meaning change when they're my feelings. Take, let's question the mind. You can't change what you felt. 
You can't change the thoughts. They're happening. But you can definitely question that mind that precedes them all. That's an activity. If you see it, you may lose interest in it. And when you lose interest in it, your interest will go somewhere else. And that's what you find out. Where does it go? For me, it goes where I am. It enriches my freaking Saturday. What did I do? Did I climb a mountain today? No. I had a latte. Watched two boys running around out there. It was very joyous without much thought or effort. Because I'm available. And it's not no special acumen I have. I've just seen that what I'm not. And I'm not beholden to it anymore. I'm not moved by thought. The thoughts come, but they're like a dog that always wants me to walk them, and I just don't refuse to walk them. <laughs> then the dog just goes to sleep in the corner of the room. <laughs> yeah. But it, well, as soon as you keep buying it, it'll take you for a fucking mile. Yeah. I've seen people's day ruined by one thought. Mm -hmm. They're having a great time, and then they think, when are they going to find out I don't deserve it? Bang! <laughs> you, know what I mean? you see it, don't you watch? When you're having a good day, how long does your head let it last? Before it starts questioning. Probably 10 minutes if you're lucky, 15 minutes. You know? Maybe it's been really good, it'll let you have it for 20 minutes. <laughs> but the same head, if you're having a bad day, says it's going to last forever. Why would you want that to be the dictate of your story? Yeah? If you're going to have to live in a story, either loosely or tightly, wouldn't you like to have it a little bit, you know, leaning in one way? Like, let's preserve the good, <laughs> whatever you want to call good, and let's sort of minimize the bad. Would I would rather that strategy than elongating, like people feel a little discomfort, lifelong depression. I know it's coming. What? <laughs> 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 How did that happen? But when it's great, oh, I can't stand it. I can't stand unconditional love. Don't they know I don't deserve it? <laughs> I remember when I was a junkie, people would think you're living on the edge was overdosing, getting arrested and shot at. Living on the edge was sitting in a room and having someone unconditionally love you. Because all your ideas and thoughts about you would come up and it would be unbearable. Because you, were, you had been exiled from the possibility of love years and years ago. Yeah. The running around was easy, getting shot at, but just having <laughs> someone love you, man, and, and not having conditions arise, forget it, man. Jeez. This is just slavery. Simple as that. And what, you know, put your foot down. Yeah. Really, this is not another passive message. This is incredibly empowering, but not like the New Age empowering. You're going to get a Cadillac next week. Okay, you're going to get a new... It may or may not happen, but empowering seeing your role here. You and I are the dreaming of the dream. We forget that we're dreaming, and in that forgetfulness we give everything we dreamt the power to affect us. That's the diagnosis of everyone on this planet today. You and I are the dreaming of this dreaming. We forget that. And how do we forget that? We're remembering where the dreamt. As simple as that. And in this condition of remembering where the dreamt, we now give everything we're dreaming, thoughts, feelings, everything else, the power to affect us as this. Simple as that. If you follow everything, your arms attached to it. Every punch, everything. You're complicit. You're playing a role here. Nothing's being done to us, really. 
So this is a simple invitation. We did it but yesterday. The simple idea is we've been displaced out of a basis of timelessness to a position in time. Yeah? The mental process that produces selfing takes time. What we are is not of time. So we've been seemingly displaced to, from square zero to square three, and from square three the game looks a whole lot different than from square zero. But we now call square three square zero. And so everything, we always are looking out and we're always falling over the fundamental flaws pointed out by these statements of you can't seek the Buddha with the Buddha. You can't seek mind with mind. You can't seek light with light. You can do it for eons and it's never going to happen. This fundamental little mistake is like the hiccup or the, the scratch of the record before the record starts. Yeah? And this little influences every other groove of the record. If you don't know it, the mental state is going to claim whatever you're doing to get out of yourself to reinforce and reinforce the self you're wanting to get out of. Your life, doesn't it? Just Seemingly, yeah. it can't steal yeah. your life because yeah. it's not your life. Yeah. If you see it, it has the, it has a possibility of changing drastically. If you're looking from it, it's the same old, same old. Yeah. What I'm humbly saying is. Self-centeredness is a form of looking that's blinding us to what's seen. Yeah. So when we apply this false way of looking to try to find what's seen, we'll never come upon it because as St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Right now. It doesn't say only when you've done this and this and that. It doesn't like have four pages of requirements to be what's looking. It says what's looking is what you're looking for. Simple, right? Beautiful. The seeker is the sort. The open secret. Obviously, how could it be a secret if it was open? The gateless gate. Obviously, how could there be a toll at a gateless gate? If I don't even have to walk through anything, it's a gateless gate. This is the point. They're attempting to say, before you even start, there you are. Yeah? If somehow you could be disengaged from all the interests going to what you're not, and how it works with me is it wasn't about me, to tell you the truth. I lost interest in it when I realized it wasn't really about me. It was about a body, it was about a sense of self, but it wasn't me. And the losing of interest just allows you to go back, not even go back, but now instead of trying to constantly step forward, you just step back and aha, there it is. Yeah. Now you feel like you've been reconfigured, you're starting from a, like an authentic starting point, and then suddenly blue is appearing as blue. Things make sense, yeah? You don't have any metaphysical questions, or you're not pondering over some fucking you know, nihilism or anything. Just what is, ising all day, and there you have it. Yeah? Joy comes, other stuff comes, but you never leave. Yeah, and that's where the serenity and peace lies, is in your inherent nature. Not as an acquisition, 
but as a as a as a a, a, a fact, you know, like an inherent condition. Yeah. Just rest there while you're busy and while you're not. You don't need all the attention on everything. The attention is amazing because what happens is it's been taken. This is how it gets dispersed. It gets cast into time. So the attention and interest which would bring the commonality of this event to us quite easily if you were just here is dispersed in time. So we're, we're tending to thoughts about yesterday and thoughts about tomorrow and it's weakened our ability to see things as they are now. Yeah? Because the here that we think we're in is bookended by yesterday and tomorrow. It's chock full of yesterday and tomorrow. It's not even a here anymore. It's a mental here. It's like an illusory here that all addicts want to get out of. They don't realize it's the real here that's their solution. They're trying to get out of here at all costs, but that here is a mental made-up here that seems unbearable. It's a chock full of yesterday and tomorrow. So your attention and interest is constantly dealing with what's not happening. You know? And there's no way you can deal with what's not happening unless you see it as not happening. That's the appropriate way to deal with it. So the interest and attention is, is fueling thoughts about if things could have been different. It like, if I didn't get hit by the car, things would have been great. Well, maybe, but you're missing a big point. I got hit by a car. Yeah? It always excludes a fundamental fact that throws a wrench in all of its meanderings. It always wants it just to forget that something actually happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, the, what's not happening, anything can happen there, man. People can feel like they have cancer now by thinking that we'll have cancer two weeks from now. They'll produce an effect of contraction when there's no apparent threat all day. You know, most people have it a fear. I've had fear arise that was appropriate many times in my life when I was getting shot at and shit like that. Yeah? But now, most people are really suffering from mental anxiety. And it mimics the physiological effects of fear. It's like getting a buzzer buzzed on you all day. You know what I mean? Like 20 earth-shattering events every day, and you haven't even left your house yet. You know? <laughs> You're just getting shocked into what? Into dispersion. Into dispersion. And if the faith is in the thought system, you're going to be strung up by anxiety. You're going to believe something that's not happening is more dominant in what's happening than what's happening is. That's an incredible dis displacement, eh? I feel. This is enough to deal with a day. It's impossible to deal with what's not happening in a day. It's way too vast. I've got to go over all my past mistakes. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, and if you take yourself to be this, the urban renewal project's never going to end. You're going to be working on it, and I get, you know, oh, you're okay to be just weird, but no, I have a special calling. I gotta be great. Who fucking says that? When I realized I wasn't this, man, it was fantastic. The construction was closed down. The body got to be a body. It cannot handle being the center of the universe. It cannot. I mean, <laughs> it just cannot do it. It's way too much of a burden to be everything. <laughs> and it cannot be all that you think about. It'll just, it's like when you, I was a kid and you'd want to see a bug, you'd get a magnifying glass. 
and maybe you didn't know the idea of sun moving and stuff, and so the sun would move and be over your shoulder. While you're looking at the bug, you'd be incinerating it, you know? Because the main, this is what self-centeredness is like. The sense of presence or awakeness is dispersed. It's not concentrated. It's not focused. It's dispersed. Yeah, big, big. Not this way, this way. Yeah. The energy like this is too much. And most of us are under this magnification of self-centeredness that's creating insane shit in us, you know? Neuroses and mutations of the head. I mean, I know people, seriously, if you know, I'm in a car with them and I go like this, they wake up, they're always out. They always think, oh, you're so prescient. No, I could do it every second. And they're just gone. And so, oh, thank you. you know. <laughs> How did you know? Well, it's obvious. <laughs> you're like comatose, vertically comatose. You know, and you go, oh, there's a so out. The thought, they just live in what's not happening. Seemingly, yeah. Then what happens there? You don't have a here to anchor yourself in. All you have is a mental here, so you're totally untethered. You're just being moved around, you know. Like a cat plays with a mouse. You're getting bought there and bought there. Wake up, you know. It's an inherent condition. Just become awake to it, you know. It doesn't have to coincide with an experience. It doesn't have to have any huge event. It's just a possibility right now, wherever we sit, with no requirement necessary to meet it. Meeting it would be an unnecessary step. You are it. You have you don't even have to you can cut out the meaning it you are it yeah now if you turn the mental state to see it you'll only take it as the mental state sees it if you lose interest in the mental state it will reveal itself to you you will find out what it's like but when the mental state tries to know it it just makes a fucking mess of it it does you're gonna think you have it and lose it and then get it and lose it again. You know, it's a huge game. No. If you see you're not that, you'll find out what you are. It's obvious. It'll just it'll keep presenting itself all fucking day. <laughs> really. You're incessant on this with no thought or effort. Do you go like this to see? <laughs> really, do you? You know? <laughs> do I, you know? I miss my seeing class today. <laughs> I'm going to take a seeing intensive. You know, in uh, Norwich. <laughs> All right, now focus your seeing. Focus it. Can you, are you seeing more? I think so. I think I am. I feel like I got another bathroom, too. I'm flexing. I speak that. <laughs> seeing, seeing. So, it's the easiest, isn't it? It's the easiest demonstration of anything all day. You're a witness. How can you argue with it? Does it wane? At three or four o'clock? <laughs> do you ever run out of interest and attention? Really, do you? Have you ever... Um, I, I was just way too interested in this. I have no interest for anything else. It's tons of interest. It's not a thing. The interest and attention, if this is how it goes, and you know it, you're here, you go out to meet supposed things, yeah? And you bring information in. So here you go. You go out, you bring it in. But what does it usually get brought to? This, right? You call this in, but this isn't in. This is the brain. This is out. This is a thing. So when you go out here, 
and then you go home and you go in, you never go in. You go out. The brain is out. If you don't take yourself to be the projection of the brain, then you go through thingness, and you go into no thingness. And there the interest and attention gets some good mojo, brings it back, and it rains on you, and then you spend the interest and attention, and then you go in, and now it's almost like a huge breath. Now you've completed the orbit. You're like, not out, 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 out. It's out, in, out, in, yes? It's like a different breath. You feel like you now have a sense of onness, a presence, you're awake, because it's totally refreshing. But this is the slavery of self, or they call it in Buddhism, the loop of self-importance. So there's, boom, back to here. Boom, everything. I met 800 people today, but only one person met them all. Boom, but always here, always here, always here, with this little billboard of your happy face in there as a body. If you could just question, maybe you're not that, the attention goes, comes back, and it rains as it moves through you. Yes, downloads. And now, you're like at least riding the breath of life, not this, not this freaking, you know, anxiety, like, like whatever you call it, hyperventilating, making things so fucking important all day. No, it's just, with no thought or effort on your part, you find out about the answer. You don't make effort to get to it, you find out about it. You find out about it. It's not thinking. It's not efforting. You real. You start entertaining what you're not, and you will find out about what you are in your own little laboratory. You'll be the living scripture. Yeah. One day will be worth eight hundred pages of a scripture. Yeah. Then you can become convinced. You can believe with certainty because it hasn't gone into the pancake of the mental state of I'm thoroughly convinced and unconvinced. Thoroughly and then unconvinced. No, this is a convincing that surpasses that. You, it's like an unspoken yes. You know prior to all knowing, and it's a done deal. Yeah. That's that. Then you expect big parades, and they don't happen. <laughs> Robes. Maybe a shri in front of my name, <laughs> loving gazes, garlands, but no, it hasn't been this either. So. <laughs> I go to Staten Island, Hoboken, very weird places to give talks. We have this thing about the guys I know in New Jersey, they're like mafia people. So we used to talk about uh, if we fought Ajashanti, we'd kill them all in a day. I have all my made men with into it. 
you only can do and have yourself into is another mental state, really. Here we are in England. <laughs> yeah, in a little cabin. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do this more often. Maybe we'll go to some nondescript place in Denmark, yeah. out in the fucking yeah. winterlands, with four people that listen to it on the internet. I'll do the Paul Hedeman tour. <laughs> the most nondescript locations. <laughs> My farewell tour. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see the surrealness of this. Is it? Really? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you be looking up the surfing port in California. <laughs> 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 Every trip you go on, the selfie is so late. It's getting, <laughs> all right. I'll make a band. I'm going with you because <laughs> it has, doesn't have its say. You know what I mean? It just gets led and then it tries to comply. You know because it wants still to be included. Yeah, it does. The selfie would like to go along with you. <laughs> 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 yeah. Any questions today? Yes, I have questions. Oh, you have. <laughs> you said earlier on about put your foot down and don't allow all that that selfing and that all that. Well, not don't allow it. Just see it. Just, yeah. yeah, it's not about allowing it or not allowing it at that point. Just see it, and after a while, seeing it. There's got to be an emphasis shift where you can't be that which you see. It's got to dawn on you sooner or later. The mind may be a little bit late to the party, but it will get it. You just keep introducing it. See, there's a huge difference between looking from and seeing. The looking from is the habit that that's the false starting point. If you see it, it maybe the first time, maybe the eighth time, maybe the twelfth time, there'll be an emphasis on you're the seeing of it instead of what's being looked upon. Yeah? That's what happens. So the familiarity of the message and the repetition of the message makes makes it familiar to the mind. Just like if you did, like I did a lot of Tai Chi and Qi Kong. So if I'm going to do Qi Kong now, I can feel the energy move as soon as I get into the first posture because the mind's familiar. It doesn't have to be tricked by body movements. It goes right to the Qi, you know, right to the energy. Same thing. Just put it in. It's not familiar to, to many of us. It's, not, it's, it's a novel idea in a way. And it's surrounded by a lot of archaic ideas. And those archaic ideas would like to infect the novel idea. But the novel idea is a tricky thing. It will bleed through, the, like behind the canvas, and show up as the picture. Instead of having one painted, it will bleed through. And then you'll see it by its, its intimation in living. Yeah? In other words, you'll, it's a living message. So you'll see it. I have great faith in it, you know, because that's what happened to me. I heard this message, I entertained it, I'm still entertaining it, it became the last answer. I haven't looked for any other answers since, and that's it, get on with it. And I feel like 
there's too much credit given to that which is not, you know. I believe all our minds can override it quite easily. Once they get a sense, or once they have a possibility dropped into their little sky, the mind's going to go around it and, and entertain it. And then what happens is just like, like a statement like, um, you know, you can't use stillness to produce activity. You can't use activity to produce stillness. That would be activity. That is like a massive avalanche of sense feltness when I hear that. Yeah? This is when the mind starts entertaining it. It uses one little sentence and it's like a freaking library of spiritual books goes off. You know? That's it. That's like the unfurling of the mind. The mind starts stretching out, coming out of the yogic posture of I, me, my. Because it's in a very deep yoga practice, which is one posture, which is selfing. And when it hears this message, for it to sort of entertain this message, it has to come out. Yeah? And when it does, what happens? There's a sense of its size, like the bigness of it. It gets a feeling of freak, I'm fucking clarity itself, you know? That's all it's been, it's playing a little game of hide and seek with itself. Now it's found, quote unquote, itself, yeah? And, and there's an appropriate response. Bigness, sense of presence, all like that. Yeah? So the mind, all you do is drop something in, the mind does the rest. It can, it can grow a whole forest with one seed. It just needs that one seed. For me, it was the seed of, I'm not that. As soon as I entertained, I wasn't that, which was driving seemingly me crazy, that was the beginning of relief. And the relief hasn't stopped since that moment. And the efforting and thought has decreased dramatically every, every moment after. No thought or effort whatsoever concerning it. Yeah? It just grew its own forest. All it needed was the possibility. And to me, the job or as the seed assignment is to repeat it. Excuse me, to repeat it. That's why we record it so people can download it and listen to it in their own little laboratories without meeting me. Because I'm not necessary, I'm a mailman. Yeah, this isn't about me and you. This is about us. Yeah, that's mind. So, bamo, you've been served the spiritual subpoena. Bumo, you'll be get a letter and you'll be, you know, asked to go to court. And it won't be the mental court because you've been convicted there already. <laughs> but you'll be to the court of light, and those convictions will be annulled. You'll be let off your own fucking hook. You know, you'll be okay without. Being okay, you know what I mean? If accruing value, the mental accountant will be fucking fired. You know, all right, you can have a good time today because you did so much. You've done so many talks in a row. Okay, hour of somewhat peaceful. You watch a movie, maybe. Oh, thank you, old wise one. That's fucking slavery. Yes. Yeah. Would you mind just unpacking again? I know you've done it before, but the whole how these insights helped you unhook from addiction, alcoholism. Well, the addiction to me, the, the, the bottom line addiction is the mind's, the mental state's addiction to being a self. That's, that's the cause of all other addictions. All our other addictions are trying to get relief from self. That's Every time I shot dope was to get out of self. Yeah. It was unbearable to live in that occupation. So the best way, the quickest way I could change how I felt was by shooting coke in my arm. It was the quickest route that I found. So I did, incessantly. So to me, 
So let's say, so if I get relief from that, yes, that primary primary addiction, and there's no primary. I'm just gonna just to illustrate something. To me, it's like the original addiction. It's sort of like this. Let's say there's a row, there's a a long row of knots. Yeah. So let's say you're using is knot three. Your partner using is knot four. And then your inability to have relationships with people, not five. Your health's bad, not six. And you, have, uh, you don't have good finances. So there's all these knots. So then you try to get some relief from one of the knots, yeah? Let's say you do something, you take a course or something, and maybe it loosens up for a little while, and you get really excited, but then after a few weeks it tightens up again, yeah? But what would happen if you would go down to the whole string and look at the first knot? And maybe in the first knot... There's a thread that runs through all the other knots. So if you loosen the first knot, it'll loosen all the other knots. And as Jesus says, you'll know the tree by its fruits. So this is what happened with me. My real relief from alcoholism came when I saw I was not self. That's when the radical stabilization of freedom appeared as a possibility, not before and I was about my 11th year of sobriety. I'm like 28 years now. So in seeing that, that I was not that, and that's why I try to use words like parasite, foreign installment, I'm trying to trigger a picture in your own mind that it's foreign to you. Because if you call it you, you're screwed. It's as simple as that. You are screwed. So when I saw I was not that, I started entertaining I could be free from it, finally. Because before I was trying to be free as it, which is another form of slavery. It's actually a much more subtle form of slavery. You trying to get out of something is a very big way of being in it. If it's imaginary, it's totally. And I had no idea this was happening until I did, you know. So to me, I believe if that gets chilled out, you'll see the effects on all your supposed other addictions. Because they're all rooted in trying to get out of that which you're not. If you see it not, not as you, maybe you won't try so hard to get out, and therefore you <coughs> won't. For me, what happened to me, seriously, with AA? Your mind, I'll go into this a little bit. I, as the action figure, yeah? So I, I started using early, you know, 13, 14. And... Uh, you know, the, see, the, the alcoholic and addict of my type is when I used or drank, I found out I had a, a immediate appeal to people in uniform. Yeah? They started to get arrested a lot. And a lot of weird, very heavy consequences, like getting run over twice in one night by a car, four bullets into a Volkswagen bug with three of us in there. Tons of shit happened. Just all in the pursuit of trying to get out of self, basically. You know? And I hit, I spent two years and three months in, a, in programs. Three months in one program when I was young in the Bronx, New York, and two years in San Francisco, 85 to 87. Had to live there because my managing my own life led me to have to be managed by others, basically. I couldn't manage my life. I would just go off the rails and get arrested and shit would happen. So... I went through all that, and I hit tons of bottoms, but none of them seemed to stop me. Yeah? When I hit a bottom, I would furnish it and ask you over and wait for the next eviction notice because I knew it was coming. And then basically, like we say in Narcotics Anonymous in America, there's three parking spaces at the end. 
which is institution, jails, and death. And I was parking there. Institutions, jails, and I had died a number of times, you know, from overdoses. So I got out of this one, this last program, and I was really hoping it was over, you know. It was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. They had told me that the Dr. Jekyll period of my life, though rather long, was over. Or the Dr. the Mr. Hyde, and I was going to be Dr. Jekyll from now on. But I had a strong suspicion they were wrong. And I graduated, and I went right back out. And uh, Mr. Hyde took over, went on a 10-month run. And I ended up in a trailer park about two hours north of San Francisco. And I was just trying to stay loaded until I could get high, you know. Because at the end, I ran into that impediment. I didn't have any money. So I had to convince others to get what I wanted, you know, which I was losing my charming good looks and everything. So I wasn't working as it once had when I was younger. <laughs> the show was pretty old. <laughs> and a lot of people weren't buying it anymore. So I was not in incredible angst. I was so fucking pissed I couldn't get high. Whatever. So I was sitting in this trailer, drinking a bottle of vodka, a cheap vodka with this guy. And he had a big, I didn't know him, you know, came two up in this town and then was hoping a mutual acquaintance would come and have money. So he had a big bulbous nose and varicose veins on his face. And I said to myself, this guy's a bum, you know. And lo and behold, he was looking at me like I was a bum. So I saw, I read it. And that something happened. There was a moment of clarity or like a portal opened up and a download occurred. And uh, that's why I like to use the term because that's how it feels for me. And this download stopped the selfing for about four or five minutes, and it was like a CNN news flash, no story, just a headline. And the headline was, "I'm fucked," you know, "I'm screwed," which a lot of people knew I was, but it was news to me really because of denial and stuff. And so something happened, and then information came in that said, "Get up." And get out of there and I did and then something set off these trains of circumstances that the next day I was brought to my first recovery meeting and the miracle happened in that trailer park because the, the desire or urge to use was completely removed and I never had a thought or a feeling about it ever since and so it gave me a whole new sense of what a solution could be because it totally eradicated the problem like it doesn't exist for me anymore and I never had a solution like that for it, about anything here it all had to do with a lot of work and effort you know, vigilance, this was just done and then it's just been playing out for all these years so from what I was revealed to me over the years I saw what I wasn't which is this selfing this activity, in other words the mental state is constantly pointing and inferring and assuming and presupposing that there's someone there. But there's no one there. There's just pointing. But it's the mind believing it that produces like the holographic image of being a body. That's how it makes, from all the pointing, it makes the leap into I'm a body, basically. And so that's why all the pointing is incessantly being repeated to keep your mind taking itself to be a body. Yeah? So the selfie is all about just that. Inferring, assuming, implying that you are the one. Yeah? 
You're the one that is there before all doing. You're the one that's seeing. You're the one that's feeling. You're the one that's thinking. And all like this. And what happens is, like with thoughts, if you own thoughts, they own you. That's what happens. So when you, my, arises on thoughts, now the thoughts have the power to incredibly affect you. They use, it's trippy. So you enslave yourself in a sense. So what happened was that. So in that, 11 years into AA, I had a lot of, some downloads, and uh, I had some big events, you know, that showed me a lot. I don't want to get into the specifics, but I had this, in 11 years, I got a clear take that I was not this foreign installment or parasite, and it changed, it changed AA for me. And then we've been attempting to introduce this idea into AA since then, for many, many years now. Now, I thought it was going to be welcomed with open arms, but I run into a lot of resistance with it. <laughs> a huge amount of resistance, which now doesn't surprise me, but it did when I first, because I thought, man, I would think that you would run to a solution, but it doesn't work that way. Not especially if it's a problem hearing it. <laughs> no. So, that's what I've really been doing, and that's what led to the website, and that's what led to the non-duality talks. It's really a, 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 a being compelled to try to bring this message to AA so that it can become like a normal uh, offering in AA instead of some foreign idea. Yeah? Because I think people in AA really, in some sense, have a big leg up because they've seen a f- the futility of a life run on self-will. Self is what has defeated us, you know? The root of the problem is the mind. We know, we have a feeling, of, because we've been beaten up by that so much, we just need to have it said in a certain way that can trigger that that which you're calling yourself is foreign. Yeah? To see it as not you is the beginning and end to it. Yeah? Yeah. That's been my experience. So that's, and it's been the last answer. And then I got involved in the non-duality thing, but I never, you know, signed up for the non-duality niche. I don't like a lot of the way it's presented now because I think it's been it's been becoming formatted to become non-duality therapy, non-duality this. It's just like Zen, you know, Zen was pasted on everything. Zen in the art of you know. <laughs> Like uh, crossword puzzles, you know? <laughs> zen, 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 zen. I think non duality is in a way going that way, in a sense, you know? It's because when we claim it, we make it what it's going to be for us, and that's not it. So it's just not too simple, not too. So that's it. Well, I don't know who asked me. That was whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. If you see, you don't mind, I want to emphasize this, the inventory idea, which is the sense, you know, what we look at in AA, you come into AA and things have not gone well, let's say, and then there's a, there's a, we have 12 steps, and the fourth step is an inventory where you look at resentments and fears and, and harms you've done to others in the pursuit of what you wanted, looking at your sexual behavior, let's say. And it's just a way to see how self-defeated you, basically. Now, most people don't hold it that way, but that's its intent. So you'll see, because self has defeated you through its manifestations in your life. And the, the thing is with this, let's say there's a parasite, and it doesn't have a life, it needs one that we offer. 
And this parasite is a very hostile takeover. So it has to have to have an incredible strategy to keep the host at bay. Yeah, because you would your natural reaction would be to throw off the parasite because of how it treats you, basically. Yeah. It was like if a big bug landed on my arm, I'd knock it off. And it did it twenty times, I'd knock it off. There'd be a reaction just to get it off. How does that reaction get neutered by this parasite of selfing to me alcoholism is a like an amplified version of selfing? Well, what happens is this parasite convinces the host that we're it. See? Have you read anything about parasites? There's a faint, there's, they're doing a lot of research. People know I'm into parasites, you know, <laughs> and they send me all this stuff. But it's very interesting. They found a new one. They, they give it a nickname called Toxo. It's very, very prevalent. It's in the brain of a many, many humans. And, you know, the parasite has a severe constraint. This parasite can only reproduce in the, in the stomach of a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, of course, it doesn't have a vehicle. It can't drive to the cat pound or anything. And so it's severely limited. How am I going to meet this, you know, meet this, uh, my agenda? So what it does is it jacks, and it's found in, like, rats and mice and a lot of mammals. What it does is it jacks into the rat's brain and tells the rat to run towards a cat when it ever sees a cat. Yeah. It overrides that, that supposedly strong instinct of self-preservation, overrides it quite easily. And then the rat sees a bunch of cats and runs right to them and goes, eat me, basically. And then they eat it, and then the parasites fulfill its agenda. It's in the cat's stomach and appropriates. You don't think we're taking over? Give me a break. Mental winds are taking us over all day. What do you think greed is? If there's no person who's greedy, it's greed. There's mental winds blowing constantly. And if you're taken over by self, you're like a giant, well-lit tarmac. Shit's landing on you all day <laughs> and taking you for a ride. You know what I mean? Creating a huge row or something like that. And you and I are always left holding the bag as the action figure. You know, I know people who killed people in blackouts. They can't remember the event. They're in prison the rest of their life. This is what happens. So we're taking over. These people are studying parasites as a thing, but the parasite of selfing and alcoholism, you cannot see it in an x-ray. You can see it, its effects. You cannot see alcoholism. It's not a thing, but it's very parasitical. And selfing is the original parasite of all. The mental state has spawned something like a selfing that takes a life and interprets it and uses you and us for transportation. All the while, when it's demonstrating its effects through us, we keep harping their hours. That's called the act of being identified. Obviously, see it. If something's effects, when they're moving through this, you keep calling to be yours, that's the act of being identified as something that you're not. That's the diagnosis. When you recognize that then all the guilt and shame that's produced based on behaviors you exhibited when you're using, yeah, you have to see that you are inherently powerless. So it's like you and I are dancing with a gorilla. We're going to stop when it wants to stop. But we, the mental state, keeps producing guilt and shame for all the shit you did under the influence, but you couldn't, you couldn't help yourself because you, you weren't driving the bus. 
The parasite had you and used you for transportation. You're accountable. It's like if my dog shits on the neighbor's yard, I'm accountable, but I'm not going over it all day being feeling responsible. It's not me. It was the dog. Yeah? <laughs> Give yourself a break. You're being, you're, being, you're being strung up by guilt and shame based on things that you had no control over. Once you put the alcohol and the drugs in, or once you follow the thought system, you're being used for transportation. And then you get blamed all the way. This is this perfect disguise. All the while, it's expressing itself in so many of us, and none of us are recognizing it. We keep calling it us. But you took the drink. You take the first drink. Or you, you take Did you really? I don't believe so. An obsession comes over you and leads you to the drink. Obviously, if you keep having the first drink, you've got to admit you're powerless and get some freaking help. You know? Hang out with a we until the I gets more obvious. Right now, the me's going to kill you. So you bring in the we. You go to a group of people who are suffering from the same predilection, the same parasite, and in, that, in, in the we, there's a strength you can't c- gather up yourself, but that's temporary. You'll find the strength. It'll be given to you if you, if you surrender. But you've got to know your limitation then. If I had an urge, I'd have to do anything. Thank God for me, it was removed. I don't have an urge. I don't know. If I shot Coke right now, I probably would have... We, didn't, we don't even have a donation basket. I would send it right away because I need money. And I'd be in Durham something trying to find something. <laughs> don't forget, you have a talk tomorrow. Like, oh, what? Tomorrow. <laughs> you know, all bets would be off. You believe in this? No one... If this power, if, if that presence that we are... This is why it's so potent, especially for suffering addicts and alcoholics. The only thing alcoholism actually respects is a power greater than it, and you're not in your condition right now. But when you surrender or open up to that power, that power is like the big dog, and then the little dog rolls over. Yeah, yeah? And then when you're taken over by this, this presence... It's an immunity to all the other fucking takeovers. You don't get taken over. Yeah? Because you're being led and directed already by a power greater than all of the mental winds. Yeah? So yeah. when you had your, that, that breakthrough when you were drinking vodka <coughs> the bum in that situation, you hadn't been in program <coughs> before that, or you had? No. You've just been another. I had been in programs that didn't have AA. Okay. But still, something, there was some sort of spiritual breakthrough. It, it. it was an intervention. Something, see, to me, in life, for addicts, there's two duns. The dun that we all get to, which is dying, or the dun that you fucking get sober. One's going to win out or the other. If you're not done drinking, you'll be done sooner or later. But if you're done drink with drinking, you may have a life. Yeah? So, for me, for some reason, I was done before I was done, basically. Because I had no intention of getting sober. The day it happened, uh, all I was thinking about was staying high. So, I'd given up all hope. <laughs> 
completely. Maybe that was it. Who knows? <clears throat> but something had a different plan. And so then when I see this sign, it was changed dramatically. And as a demonstration, I didn't need any more demonstration that something greater than me had done what I could not do or any other human power could do, which was get me sober. Mother couldn't do it. The state couldn't do it. Nothing could do it. And yet something happened, and it was done. So what does that lead to? I don't stop at things. When something happens, the my mind explores those you know, when something demonstrates on one stage, it is applied to all stages. Yeah? If something, it's like they say in AA, you know, God can do for you what you can't do for yourself. Expand the circle of what you can't do for yourself. <laughs> if that's what works, throw it all in. Yeah, that's a, a wise, severely limited by a small view. Go, okay, fuck, throw it all in there. You know, the mind, don't, just allow it to entertain, let it off the leash. No, it's, it's sniffed the trail of this, therefore that, for fucking years. Let it fucking roam, free range. See what happens. It can entertain a huge universe with one sentence. Yeah, that's why these sentences are so cryptic. St. Francis never needed to say anything else. Then what's looking is what you're looking for. The whole thing is in that statement. The whole thing. Everything. Let the mind unfurl around it. Yeah. You don't have to add 50 quotations. One will do. Something that triggers you. It's the mind. It's not the triggers. It's the mind. You can have a total charlatan. I know my friend is with, has been with Carlos Castaneda, right? For years. For about three years. So then a lot of people, he wrote all the books about Don Juan, a lot of people made big cases that he was a charlatan. It doesn't matter. It was the minds that were reading it that made the book. Yeah? It was the mind itself. It has nothing to do with the messenger. It's the message. If you miss the message by getting so engaged with the messenger, you're missing the point. I don't, the mess, you don't want the messenger. <laughs> You know, I don't want the messenger, but the message, yeah, the message, definitely, you know, <laughs> I don't want to go home with the messenger, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> but the message, yeah, that's the point, so it's, finally, it's with you, not with you through someone else, cut out the middle for people. I'm a mailman, and anyone who's worth their salt knows that. No one, if someone who has quote unquote woken up, they have to admit that they didn't do anything to produce it. Then how could they be fucking producing it in anyone else? <laughs> Honestly, how could they be having you tell you all these things to do to get closer to it when they didn't do any of that? Something just happened. Yeah? It's not a good business plan. See, if you can Im imply or subtle, subtly imply that, yeah, more will work in this, you know, sign up for the next three-month retreat. We did a joke called Retreat from Paul. It's one of the skits. I like doing comedy skits. So the Retreat from Paul was that I'll send you some information about me, and I'll send you a DVD of testimonials from my old ex-girlfriends, 
about how they sense the presence by my absence. And then I will, and you can try it for the weekend, the weekend retreat for Paul, which is I'll, I guarantee I will not be where you are. And then on Monday, I bet you when you report in, you'll say, I felt fucking great without Paul. That's retreat from Paul, send a check to the P.O. Box in Hawaii, and all right, enter the month long one, and I guarantee I won't run into you for a month. And there's another more testimony. Oh, it's great. I sense the presence by his absence. Because I think it's funny. You know, really. I mean, do the people wake up in a retreat? I don't think most of they describe all their events. They don't usually say it was in a retreat, is it? And why do they want to have retreats? It doesn't make sense to me. never did. You know? I've had more faith in mind. I believe, you know, it's a beautiful day. You've got the message. Entertain it. And tomorrow we'll go over it again. Yeah. And, you know, I hope I come back to England. And I'm really happy I'm meeting people. And, you know, now when you see the video, you'll realize how it was so much nicer to watch me on video than live. <laughs> I've done a complete job of disappointing you. This is what I wanted to do anyway. Yes. All right, any more questions? I'm getting way too high right now. <laughs> I'm actually altered states, which I don't like. <laughs> I need some food or something. <laughs> All right, that's it for today then. Okay. Yes, and then we'll uh, tomorrow come back, please, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Sorry. Oh, you're not coming. All right, so we'll stick up. We can maybe go eat somewhere now. You yeah. want some of us want to eat? Yeah. Do you know a good place we could go, Phil? Around Distance Cafe. No, 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 no. I see that in my future. It's scary. I don't want to go there yet. Does anyone have an idea that lives here? Where the food Yeah, where the spirit is. Yeah, that's where we're Yeah, but it's not like. You know, there's a lot of little tables, but then there's an Indian restaurant. I push the tables. Well, you just decide, and then if anyone wants to go, we'll go out and eat. Yeah? Yeah. Is that where you're staying? So that's the angle for that. It's a local thing. Yeah. 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 I like seeing it. I've got a big restaurant. Are you guys uh, staying here yeah. Come with us to eat if you like. Yeah. We just eat lunch. Oh, you did? We, we tend to eat at lunchtime. Oh, you do. <laughs> well, try not to eat tomorrow. We can go out tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you very much. You're more than welcome. My pleasure. Virginia.
That's what some lady in the cafe told me. Yeah. Well, she lives here half the year and half the year. Yeah. Is that yeah. not, not like that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 